This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. And joining us in studio this morning, former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, and just have a stint in Buffalo as well, Lou. Yeah. You were yeah. a saver for a while? Yeah, a couple of months. Anyways, uh, Lou Franceschetti joining us in studio just to give us a little, uh, give our listeners a little roadmap of the of the show today. Uh, we'll be joining with us right uh, immediately right now, John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills, uh, Gord Stellick, uh, analyst, hockey analyst for Sportsnet Media, and the voice of the Nashville Predators, Pete Weber, coming on at the bottom of the hour. But we're pleased to welcome back to the NAS and Wally Sports Hour, the host of the John Murphy Show on W. WJR Radio in um, in Buffalo, and also uh, the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Happy to be with you. You got quite a lineup of guests today. I'm in good company today. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're thrilled to have you back, John. Because uh, uh, and thanks so much for joining us again. We appreciate it. Uh, Buffalo Bills, uh, Brandon Bean. You had an interesting quote on Twitter the other day, and you asked the listeners to fill it in. In the first week of free agency, you asked your uh, your Twitter followers and Buffalo Bills uh, followers to fill in the blank, and you filled it in with the word "smart." So, uh, John, tell us uh, tell us about the week that Brandon Bean had. Yeah, it was a good week. I thought with still a lot of work to do, to, to come. Uh, you know, the week actually was a few days longer than a week. They started out a week ago, uh, uh, well, now nine days ago, with the trade of Tyrod Taylor to Cleveland to pick up an extra third-rounder. Followed that up a couple of days later by trading away left tackle Cordy Glenn uh, to move up nine spots in the draft. So even before free agent began, they had six picks in the first uh, 100 selections, six picks in the first three rounds. And then free agency got started. They, they did some good things. They They needed help on their front seven defensively and made a couple of signings, including Trent Murphy, a defensive end who played at Washington the first couple of years of his career. And um, they signed uh, Star Latula Lay, who was a former first-round pick at Carolina. Both Brandon Bean and John McDermott had him in Carolina. And then, uh, you know, they moved on, signed a couple of other players uh, down the stretch and and uh, basically pronounced on Friday, this past Friday, two days ago, that they're out of money. They're at the cap and they can't do much more in free agency, and now they're six weeks away from the draft. And the draft is really going to be the key to what their offseason looks like. John, speaking of the draft, Toronto, uh, Buffalo needs a quarterback. There's yeah. four or five of them <laughs> around. Uh, which one are they going to go after? And uh, the Jets made a trade last night to move up with Indianapolis, so that uh, makes me think that they're going to make a deal with either Cleveland or the Giants. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Jets move was huge yesterday uh, to, to trade away to their sec- a bunch of second-rounders and move up to the third pick in the draft, and it really does force the Bills' hand 
I don't know which quarterback they're interested in. I know who the you, you know the, the suspects are. I know who they're they're probably interested in. But as far as the one or even two that they're most interested in, they haven't said. They certainly won't say before the draft. And I don't know if it serves them well to say it. But uh, clearly, they're going to have to move up uh, to either number one at Cleveland, which would be very very difficult to do, or, or number two uh, the Giants pick, which would be difficult and costly to do. You look at what. Uh, Chicago had to do uh, a year ago in the draft just to move up one spot. And the Bills, you know, are they willing to give up uh, their entire draft to get the quarterback? I don't know. The Jets kind of forced their hand yesterday. I'm really interested to see how Brendan Bean, uh, uh, Brendan Bean uh, kind of answers what the Jets did. If he has an answer with the picks they have or if he just sits tight and goes where he is at 12. I, I still think they have a burning desire to get up there and get one of those premium quarterbacks, one of the top four. But it's going to be very difficult, especially based on what the Jets did yesterday. Hey, John, it's Lou Franciscetti here. Uh, you, you could move up to number four and take one of Cleveland's picks to take one of the studs there. Um, I, I think personally the two best quarterbacks in the draft right now are Josh Allen and, and uh, the kid Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State. But anyways, let's get back to other things here. Uh, I see the Bills made a smart move in signing A.J. McCarron, uh, bringing a kid <laughs> in that's more or less won his whole career. He was a winner in Cincinnati except for the stubbornness of uh, – of Miller there, or the coach, uh, not putting him in instead of Andy Dalton because they really haven't done anything for the last four or five years. What do you think of that move? Um, I like it. Uh, I think I was. I like the way they did it too. They were patient about it, Lou. They, um, you know, the quarterback started flying off the board, free agent board uh, Tuesday, with uh, you know Cousins uh, was set to go to Minnesota, and then Keenum uh, went quickly to uh, Denver, and a couple of the guys that and made their decisions and the Bills sat tight. They didn't like the price that they were looking at with A.J. McCarron on Tuesday. By Wednesday, when those jobs got filled, McCarron's price came down and the Bills got him at a really good price. The way they played, they played, excuse me, the way that played out indicated to me how serious they are about getting a rookie quarterback in the draft because I don't think they're interested at all in spending any money, any significant money on a free agent. They want a quarterback who can come in and maybe start the season maybe finish the season if he's playing well, but their focus is on a rookie. And I think they made that clear by indicating they weren't going to pay a lot of money to, uh, to A.J. McCarron or any other veteran free agent quarterback. Which rookie it is, I don't know. If You're right, they're going to have to move up, you know, way up to get a, a look at one. I, I think uh, Sam Darnold would be their number one target, the USC quarterback. He might be gone by Cleveland and number one if Cleveland stays there. I think Josh Rosen of UCLA is rated by most people as maybe the best passer in this group. And I know the Bills like him. Um, you know, if they wait till where they are now in the first round, 12, they may be able to get Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. Uh, I think Josh Allen will drop down. I don't know if he'll drop down that far. But, um, yeah, I'm sure they've got six weeks to do it. Based on uh, what I like about uh, Bean is he won't rush into anything. He'll talk to his scouts and his personnel people, make an assessment who our target is and what it will cost to get each one of those targets. I'm sure they'll have a, a cost associated with each one of those quarterback targets and and they'll figure out which way to go. But I don't think they'll – I'm fairly certain they don't have a plan right now, but I'm sure they're uh, they're formulating their plan with six weeks to go until the draft. John, where else do they need to improve in uh, on the draft day? What position? Well, they need, they need linebacker help. <clears throat> Preston Brown got away from them in free agency, signed the other day with Cincinnati, his hometown team. You know, front seven defensively, they needed help all along. And with the addition of Trent Murphy and Lotulale, They've added to the front, the defensive line, but they need linebackers, I think, and they'll probably look to the draft. There's some pretty decent young linebackers, but, and they—it's funny—they need a certain style of linebacker. I think, uh, you know, 
as you get to know Coach McDermott a little bit, you realize that his best uh, days in the NFL with uh, Carolina, he was led by uh, a really good defense. He was defense coordinator there, a defense led by um, um, a really good uh, middle linebacker, Luke Keekley. And I think he's looking for that type of middle linebacker. Preston Brown was not that guy. I think they're probably looking in the draft of potential second rounders, uh, maybe come in and fly around the field, not necessarily a big run stuffer, not necessarily a big, you know, huge linebacker, but somebody who can fly around the field from the middle linebacker spot and make a lot of plays. I think that would be probably near the top of their list. Wide receivers near the top of their list, too. They, You know, they got by with a group of undistinguished wide receivers last last year and got by, it was really kind of charitable. They finished 31 in passing offense last year, so they need to be better with the quarterback and the wide receivers, and I think they're going to be in the market for a wide receiver in the draft coming up in April, too. We're talking to John Murphy. John Murphy, the host of the John Murphy Show on WGR 550 in Buffalo and also the voice of the Buffalo Bills. John, uh, found it interesting uh, going through uh, 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 what Brandon Bean is trying to accomplish, that uh, that uh, the Bills actually have a cap problem. Um, they're pretty well close to being being capped out, which I found kind of surprising. Um, what kind of flexibility does Brandon have in terms of if he wants to make further additions to the team? Well, not much, not much this year for sure. I think you know the Bills' cap issues are the result of dead money in the cap. So if you cut or trade away a player who you've uh, uh, guaranteed a lot of money to in the past, you know you are forced to somewhere account for that money on your salary cap. And the Bills are doing that in a couple of pretty key instances this year with uh, Marcel Darius, who they traded away last October to Jacksonville. He's got a lot of dead money on the Bills' cap this year. I think it's like $18, $19 million maybe on the Bills' cap this year. Tyrod Taylor had dead money on his cap. The Bills are paying, are, are, you know, they're forced to account for that on their salary cap this year. And Cordy Glenn, the, the tackle who was traded to uh, Cincinnati to move up in the draft, also dead money. It's the dead money that's killing the Bills now. It's a one-year. Uh, it's a one-year hit. By this time next year, that money will be gone off the books, and they'll be in much better shape. But I think the bills look at it as the cost of moving on, the cost of doing business, and uh, maybe uh, certainly in the case of Taylor and Cordy Glenn moving up in the draft, but the cost of really taking over a, a team that had a couple of bad contracts, and they're willing to eat those contracts, uh, handle the dead money now, and uh, be free of them after the 2018 season. Who ended up uh, of all the teams with the, the better off season, John? Other than the Bills, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like to look at it like off season is is not over yet. In fact, I was writing a story for our website, and uh, you know, there's still four months until teams go to training camp. Still six weeks until teams draft, and the the central part of the off season is the draft. Um, so, I don't know who's had the best off season so far. It's only been you know a couple of weeks where teams have been really serious about making moves. I think the Bills have done all right. I think uh, Cleveland, with with their arsenal of draft picks, that they're going to be uh, it'll be difficult for them not to have a good off season, right? They're 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 in position to do a lot of things. They've already acquired players and free agents and made the trade for Tyrod, and now they still have a bushel basket full of um, of draft picks to make on April 26th. So I don't know. I think we're too early in the off season process to say who's done best. I think teams. I know in the Bills' standpoint, they've added a couple of free agents, and they're kind of angling to position themselves for the draft to get the, the picks they need in the draft. So I'm sure they'd tell you we're about 15% done with our offseason if you ask the Buffalo Bills. Uh, John, the Kirk Cousins signing sort of sent, uh, I, I, I would think, uh, uh, some shockwaves throughout the uh, throughout the NFL. The number, 
the guaranteed. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's now the highest played, highest paid player in NFL, perhaps NFL history. Uh, if you know the exact fact on that, let us know. Uh, you're a little bit surprised by um, by that, and is that an indication of? Uh, where contract signings may be going in the future are we are we in for uh, an inflationary era in, in in the nfl yeah i mean i think we're in for uh salary costs going up mostly because the the salary cap is going up because teams are making more money you know with all the uh all the hand-wringing about the declining television ratings it's still the number one product on tv and um the thursday night football package uh, put together uh, by Fox recently indicates that that's not going to stop anywhere soon, you know, as far as TV money going to the NFL. So the money's coming in, so the salaries will go up. Um, as far as Cousins, the most interesting thing is the fully guaranteed nature of his contract. Um, you know, some people think that's a you know milestone, and we'll see more of that for big quarterback signings. We'll see if that happens. He's the first one really to get that fully guaranteed. It's, it's long been a, a point of emphasis for uh, players in the NFL who look at their you know, their brethren and other professional sports sometimes do get fully guaranteed money. The NFL uh, historically does not. So that's what makes Cousins' contract different. Uh, it is, uh, I think it is a record high. I think it's indicative of where the Vikings think they are. They think they're uh, ready to contend for a Super Bowl. They got pretty close last year, and they figured they were maybe just a, a good, competent quarterback away. Um, but the one thing I know, too, about contracts like for Cousins is as big as it is now and as eye-popping as it is now, It'll be overshadowed soon, you know. When Aaron Rodgers comes up after next season, he'll he'll pass that, you know, flying right by him. And that's the way it works in the NFL. It's like big contracts belong to the most latest uh, the latest signees, you know. And Cousins had the good fortune to be the excuse me the, the best available free agent quarterback uh, coming out when uh, a team really had a need for a free agent quarterback, and so he took advantage of that and got a really great deal. John, how important was it to re-sign Kyle Williams? Yeah, it was an interesting signing. It was important, but I think all of us who, who follow the team also thought that could be it for Kyle. They might not be able to reach a deal with Kyle. Um, it was important for a variety of levels. Uh, one, you know, he's a good player. It's not just leadership and, and attitude and, um, you know, the tone he sets. He, he played 68% of the snaps on the defensive line last year, which led that unit um, at age 34, 35. He um, played well for the most part, you know, on a defense that struggled. And so that was important. If he did not re-sign with the Bills, they'd have to find somebody to, to play there. And they, they're already, you know, trying to plug some other holes. But the leadership uh, component can't be ignored. A strong leader who meshes totally with Sean McDermott and the kind of the style he wants to put out there. A guy that uh, teammates look to for, um, you know, guidance and, and uh, perspective, and he provides it in spades. A guy who is beloved in the community. I think um, it was important in both on-the-field aspect and off-the-field aspect the interesting thing to me is going to be how they use him. Uh, as I said, he led the defensive line in percentage of snaps last year, 68%. So two-thirds of the defensive snaps he was out there for. Can they continue to do that at his uh, you know, 34-, 35-year-old uh, uh, perspective? Can they continue to use him that much? I'll be interested. You want to rotate defensive linemen through there to keep them fresh and active and, and ready to go. And I'll be interested to see if they, if they do that with Kyle Williams in the upcoming season. I don't know any of the details on his contract as far as money. I would not be surprised if, you know, he came down a little bit from where he was. But indicative of the fact that he wants to play and wants to play here, I don't think he – it sounded like when we talked to him earlier in the week, he was not interested in playing anywhere else if he didn't play in Buffalo. So 
it was important to get done. I think important to kind of uh, have some linkage to what the good things that went on in the 2017 season. And he was kind of the face of the end of the playoff drought. And I think uh, it was good to have him here for that. And I think good to have him here in the future. I think it's an important sign. We've been talking to John Murphy. John Murphy, of course, the host of uh, the John Murphy Show, noon uh, weekdays on WGR 550 in Buffalo. John, we are thrilled that the Bills got make it finally made it to the playoffs uh, this year. They got some help, I guess, from the Bengals. Uh, but uh, uh, we uh, it was it was good to see them in the playoffs again, and we're hopeful uh, about the season coming up next season. And uh, we'll be certainly watching carefully on draft day, which I believe is April twenty sixth, if I'm not mistaken. John, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we're uh, we're hopeful about the the Bills in the coming week and in the coming season next year. Thanks, fellas. Naz and Wally, always good to talk to you guys. Lou, good to talk with you. Have a great show. Thanks, John. Thank you. That is John, uh, John Murphy, thanks so much. Uh, uh, Naz, Lou, Lou, we haven't seen you in a while. Uh, what have you been up to? Just working away, trying to earn a stonic buck here. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trying. Uh, we're, we've got Gord Stella coming up shortly after our break, and uh, the good lead-in, of course, is uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Been a been a pretty good run for Toronto sports uh, the last few weeks. The Raptors are on fire. Uh, the Leafs look like they're headed towards uh, perhaps a record uh, points performance for an entire season. TFC met the Mexican challenge this week and uh, uh, and uh, look like they uh, have got a good shot at winning the CONCACAF champions. They're in the semifinals. Uh, uh, things are looking good in Toronto sports these days, guys. You well, pumped? FC is only two in regular season, though, Wally. Uh, you know what? Uh, they'll regular season. Uh, they'll come around, but they they uh, let's give credit where credit is due. Uh, they beat uh, they beat a pretty good Mexican team. Had to go into the Lions Den down in Monterey to do it, and uh, we've got to give them all the credit in the world. They were certainly yesterday. I watched the game. Uh, they were they were they were a little bit flat. They had most of the possession, a lot of the chances, a couple of scoring chances got cleared off the line. Uh, I think they were suffering, obviously, an emotional letdown. But uh, that was a significant accomplishment. It really was. Uh, and I don't want to hear I don't want to hear the guys are telling me that you know North American soccer is second rate and all of that. I've heard that I've heard that argument before, and that's what that wasn't about. They met they met a significant challenge which was taking on uh, a top-notch Mexican team, and they ended up going through. And let's, let's give them credit for a really, really significant accomplishment. I give them credit for playing in that kind of weather. <laughs> Soccer players aren't supposed to be playing in sub-zero weather. It's just unbelievable how cold it was here in Toronto and, and even in the Colorado uh, game. It, that's, that, not that, 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 know, that, that's not soccer weather. That's not soccer for I, me. I, I don't get it. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just not soccer weather. But uh, but uh, hey, listen, I'm impressed with what the Raptors are doing. Like like this team, I've watched them the last couple of games, and they they are blowing teams out. And even the games that they they, they don't seem to play well for a quarter or for a half, they come back, they readjust, uh, they get focused. And again, when we talked to Leo Routens uh, earlier in the year. It's that second unit that comes in that really gives them the energy, the bite uh, that the first that they never really had before because he's he's trusted in them, knowing that that he can actually play them a fair amount, knowing that they're gonna that they're not gonna give up uh, the lead. 
It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what the Raptors are doing. And they look, you know what they look like? The old San Antonio teams. Remember when San Antonio was deep and they would go in? They did not always have the best players, but they were a unit. And they looked that way to me. And Valanciunas looks like uh, Duncan right now, the way he's playing. <laughs> Valanciunas has really improved a lot, a lot. Uh, and uh, they could go pretty deep. Yeah, pretty, it's, pretty it's deep. gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting second series because they got they're they're gonna have to go through LeBron. <laughs> well, LeBron so, may not make it past the first series the way they're playing. Well, I'll tell on. you, they, they, on, they yeah. have a way. He has a way of turn, turn, <laughs> yeah. uh, flipping on the switch. Uh, yeah. Mind you, they but he's flipping on the switch from a lot lower yeah, in the standings. I, I, I agree. Time. I agree with you, Ness. Um, there's 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 something off about this year's edition of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, we're we're gonna find the answer to that riddle. Fairly Fairly shortly, but the uh, I, I certainly hope the Raptors aren't looking past the first series. Uh, they're a talented group. They've got uh, you know a great second unit, uh, and they're winning the games. A lot of their games, they're winning based on what the performance of their second unit rather than their first unit. Well, playoff playoff basketball is different. The minutes ramp up for the first unit in the playoffs more more so than they do during the regular season. So, uh, you know, you're not going to be you're not going to be seeing the other team's second uh, units as much in a playoff series as you do during the regular season. And we're going to see how much if at all that impacts the Raptors' performance. Um, and you know what? We know as well as I do in any sport nowadays in NHL hockey in in NBA basketball any sport when uh, you know the the low seeds in, in in the low seeds can knock off the number one seed, and you know that happens, and we saw it in in NCAA basketball. Was it Friday night or Thursday night? A university I'd never even heard of before. I had to look it up on university the internet. UMBC, University of Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I had to look it up, and it took me five minutes on the internet to figure out what UMBC stood for, and they beat the number one team in in the nation. So you know what? Uh, hopefully the you know the Raptors they they should go far. I, I agree, but never ever under, uh, underestimate the ability of a lower seed to uh, raise about, their game. How about game. the University of Michigan last night? But three three seconds, they had to throw the ball in. <laughs> the guy sunk a three. Uh, and March. beat them. But speaking of the the Raptors, are what it does or what has what, what's happened this year is that they've given it the their first unit a lot of rest, where in the past they really haven't. So they were riding Agreed. Lowry and DeRozan and all those guys really hard during the season to get where they are. Now they've actually had time to to rest. So they're going to be a well rested team with that first unit, knowing if anything happens, they they do have a, still a good second unit. But now. Are you going to wreck that chemistry? Are you going to work, wreck that rotation that you have during the regular season? If all of a sudden now you're you're behind ten or twelve points with about four or five minutes left in the game uh, to get to the top, and you know they're in a great position because those players are are, are really they're going to be well rested going in. Anyways, uh, we'll uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on the Raptors. It's a thrilling time in Toronto sports right now. We've got to go to break. We'll be right back after the break with Gord Stellick. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville unveiled the new Pizzaville app. Order your Pizzaville favourites right on your cell phone. Unlike other apps, with the Pizzaville app, you can also pay for your order. It's fast and secure. Unlike my half-brother Raul, who's slow and, since the accident with his elevator shoes, very insecure. 
Download your free Pizzaville app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Downtown Toronto or 96.7 FM and live streaming on www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Gord Stellick. Good morning, Gord. How are you this morning? Hey, good gentlemen. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and welcome to Zoomer Radio. It's a pleasure having you, especially after a great, uh, uh, a fantastic Leaf performance last night. Uh, but uh, Gord uh, wasn't much of a wasn't much of a Montreal Canadian team last night, and uh, the Leafs uh, obviously uh, could have made it a lot more than four nothing. Uh, your assessment of the game and all, and this week the Leafs go at it against Tampa and Nashville. So they are going to test themselves against the uh, the top teams in the league. Where do the Leafs fit in? Analyze last night's game and analyze where the Leafs fit in right now. Yeah, well, you know, and, and Lou's been on both sides of that as well. And I've certainly been there when you're a Leaf team that are out of it. Montreal was running pretty high. It's, it's tough at the end of the season. you got injuries. You've got some guys playing out the string. You've got some guys playing for jobs. So, um, I thought Charlie Lindgren, the Montreal goalie, made some real big saves last night. Otherwise, the score would have been a lot worse. But for the Maple Leafs, I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, tracking in all cylinders right now as far as a young team in the right direction. And uh, obviously, they're going to be in the playoffs. And obviously, this, this year, they won't get a standing ovation if they get eliminated in the first round because people are expecting more. But uh, the playoffs are, are a whole different thing i mean the washington capitals have been arguably the best team the last decade and haven't made it to the stanley cup final once so it's a it's it's a different animal in the playoffs so we'll have to wait and see it's going to be tough against boston or tampa bay but you know the leafs really it's been a a great plan they got in place and this year it's uh it's all going relatively perfect 
Gord, what happens with the Montreal Canadiens? They're in the state the Lisi used to be in right now, and it doesn't look like they're coming out of it very quickly. How well, do they come the, out of it? Yeah, when you have the best goaltender in the game like they've had, you know, that covers a lot of ills over the, uh, over the years. And uh, Shea Weber, you know, you can say you, you liked or didn't like the P.K. Subban for Shea Weber trade, but regardless, Shea Weber is, is their stud on D, and he's pretty well been gone the whole year. So I think that's a big part of their problem. But, but you know, but they have to figure out some things like this constant debate, where should Galchanyuk play, uh, how, where will Drewin fit in better. Uh, they have to, you know, upgrade their D a little bit. It's not going to happen overnight. So, I mean, they're kind of down where the Leafs were about three years ago, and that's just the reality. It's, it comes down to personnel and they're not as good as they are. They're just not good enough to be in the playoffs right now. Uh, Gord, you, uh, you tweeted this week uh, an interesting observation, that this is the first time in a long time since Ke- Keon and Sittler in 72-73 and 73-74 that the Leafs have had two centers, uh, Kadri and Matthews, who have scored uh, 25 uh, goals back-to-back. A long time. Um, how important is it to the Toronto Maple Leafs to have this depth through the center? Huge. I mean, that, that's the whole point. Like, when, when the good teams, there's not, like, one big line you can shut down and that's it. The, big te- the good teams, every line, there's just a narrow margin of difference, or if any difference at all, to their abilities. And that makes it hard to, you know, hard to defend against them. And uh, I, I was a little surprised it's been that long. You know, we know guys like Doug Gilmore and Matt Sundin have racked up a significant goals, but uh, not having a number two center to do that. I mean, that's a long time ago. And I just said, speaks volumes about Nazem Kadri as well. We all know about Austin Matthews and his offensive prowess, but you know, Nazem Kadri went through a slump about, what, like 19, 19 games. He had one point or something like that. And you forget that before that, he put a lot of goals and points in the bank. And, uh, and he's, he's done that ever since then. So he's become a two way player that is playing his best offensive hockey as a two way player. So uh, it's, it's, it's huge. Having that, having that kind of uh, that kind of depth now, like they never had, haven't had in recent years. Uh, Gord, it's also amazing that they've got Nazem in a different role this year. They've got him as a third line checking center, the same kind of role that Dougie Gilmore had uh, in the late '80s with the Calgary Flames, where you're going up against the team, the other team's top center, but then on the power play, that's where he's racking up all these points, and he's actually got the other two players on his line that are playing unbelievable at the same time. Yeah, you know, people forget. You make the point. Dougie Gilmore played behind Bernie Federko in St. Louis, played behind Joe Neuendijk in Calgary. That you know, he had a different kind of role. He never got to be a, a, a number one center really till he he came to Toronto. And uh, you know, it's funny to think. I think Nazem Kadri kind of embodies all that's gone right because uh, it was three years ago that he got suspended by his own team for about for three games. You know, basically it was like it was like a daycare. Then nobody was really. Seemed to be in charge. Dave Nonis was on his way out. Peter Horchek was on his way out. Tim Lywicki was on his way out. Brendan Shanahan was t- kind of figuring it out. And Nazem Kadri was kind of the poster boy. What had gone awry, or what had been allowed to go awry. So, you know, give him credit on the ice and off the ice. And uh, he also made a big contract commitment. He's got four more years after this year that he wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, and the Toronto Maple Leafs committed that they wanted him here. Um. Where do they stand right now? Uh, is there any murmurs out there that who they would rather play, Boston or, or Tampa? Because they're both going to be difficult uh, opponents in, in different ways in the first round. Well, I don't think you'll hear any murmurs from them because that's a death knell. That's the old-time you know, bulletin board material, which really doesn't exist in the uh, Internet world so much or social media world. But you want to, 
you, you know, you don't want to get that out there as a team. I, you know, I, I like their chances. I really like their chances against both teams. Now, the Bruins seem to have, a, and David Backus got hurt last night, you know, injuries may be a factor. I, I, I've liked the way they've played better against the Bruins of late. So if I was saying, I would pick the Bruins over Tampa Bay, but I, either one's going to be a daunting task. But uh, I think it's just great to be in there. But if I was given that answer, that's what I would give right now. Gord, let's bring up JVR for a second. The last couple of weeks, he's been on fire, and they're uh, looking at him re-signing here, hopefully. The Leafs have seven cap-friendly contracts on the team. One of them is Nazem Kadri at $4 million. It does allow them to play a bit with JVR. What do you think is going to happen with JVR? Uh, you know, we, we have all things on the pregame show. We had uh, JVR's dad on. We've had him on a few times. Franz von Riemsdyk, he's got two kids in the NHL. He's got uh, one other kid playing high-level NCAA hockey. A neat guy, funny, he's originally, his family's from Quebec originally, and, you know, they moved down to New Jersey. So he's joined us a number of times. And I, I asked him that question, with you know, about making a tough business decision. And, you know, first of all, he just, he just couldn't speak enough about how much James Van Riemsdyk loves being in Toronto, loves the organization, he said the same thing as far as, you know, being a family and that. So, I mean, so that's great to hear because you've heard other years some people complain about playing here and all those things. So, so he, you know, he wants to be here. Um, of course, business is business. I, I really hope they can keep him. You've got Tadar Bozak, Leo Komarov in the, in the same vein, you know, having uh, being UFAs at the end of this year. But, you know, I think those are the guys that are probably, I don't like to use the word expendable, but probably will go. And JVR, I hope they can find a way to keep him. I just think he brings something that's incredibly valuable, maybe underrated at times. And uh, I know the Patrick Marlowe contract coming over kind of, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, sort of hurts it a little bit trying to figure it out. But it, Austin Matthews is going to sign a big contract, and Mitch Marner will sign some kind of deal as well. But their deals won't kick in for a year more down the road. So uh, I would hope they could try to figure out a way to finagle to keep JBR on the team. Talking to Gord Stellick. Gord, uh the big name out there, and it's uh, people are starting to talk about him, and uh, Naz has been talking about him for a while, uh, John Tavares. Um, where's John Tavares going to be next year? Wow, that, you know, if, if he's not with the New York Islanders, that's a huge miss by them not to get something. And we went through that in Toronto a number of years ago. Brian Colangelo miscalculated about Chris Bosch. You know, he should have got something at the trade deadline for Chris Bosch before he went down to Miami and that, and you got nothing. Um Man, I uh, I always thought that he was going to go back to the Islanders. I'm thinking about that less right now. And, you know, chatting to, and, you know, Lou knows Nick Kiprios too. We're just chatting about the Steven Stamkos situation. And, and a big difference was last year, you know, Steven Stamkos was looking for top dollar. And Steve Eiserman, their general manager in Tampa, just said, no, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to pay, uh, you know, 8.5 range, whatever. But we're going to sign Victor Hedman. Here's other things. Here's the deal. So Stamkos kind of took that and started shopping around and then said, no, I, I like what's going on in Tampa Bay, so I'm going to take less money than I could get elsewhere to go back there. That wasn't the case. John Tavares, my understanding, was they've said they've always been willing to open the, the checkbook for him. So uh, if that's the case, I don't know why he wouldn't have a deal in place right now. And given the fact the Otters are playing just brutal right now, and you know the arena's not going to be built for a number of years and all these things, so uh, I'm not saying it's 100% he's gone, but... Uh, I would say before I probably thought it was 80-20 he was going to stay. Uh, I think it probably now is, you know, about 50-50 at least he's going to go. Montreal is one of those teams that's talked about him. I don't know if the Leafs could fit him in. I don't, you know, again, the contract becomes unwieldy. But uh, 
He's got, you know, D- Detroit's another destination. So who knows uh, what appeals to John Tavares. Gord, the, the thing came out uh, about Canadian Tire being involved in the uh, Stamkos offer, too. Could that happen with Tavares? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, anything could be because that, of course, isn't money that counts against the cap. And it was a way, and again, a way of uh, finding other other revenue streams that give value added. So certainly it could. I mean, it would be up to Canadian Tire or whatever sponsor if they think there's a fit there. I, I, I just think you, know, I, you can't really pass up on John Tavares. I get it. But I think it's more difficult for the Leafs this year. Well, maybe maybe that's the plan. If uh, uh, if JVR is not here, maybe that helps free up the money. I don't know, but it's a little bit more difficult this year to do it. But you certainly can do that, and that's one of the great things about Toronto is that they can bring that kind of you know client and that kind of value added money, which wouldn't be there in other markets. Gord, you, you forgot uh, you forgot the Nylander deal uh, that him and Austin Matthews. I guess is they're going to start negotiating. July first for uh, for their next possible contract. How much dead money is coming off the books after uh, after this year? Yeah, well, you know, Lou, I, I look at the uh, I look at the Nylander. The, you're right. The Nylander kicks in next year. He's he's sort of a year ahead of uh, of Matthews and Marner. There, they could sign a new deal, but it wouldn't kick in until 2019. Nylander's up for a new contract next year, and and that's where I kind of see the the, the Bozak Komarov money, you know, going somewhere. There, you've already got Connor Brown and Zach Hyman. They signed contracts last year for term and, and relatively cap friendly, and and then you don't have a, you know Zaitsev's locked up. You have got Jake Gardner another year. Morgan Riley's locked up. Freddie Anderson's locked up. So I, that's where I would see the money coming towards Nylander. Nylander that it should be relatively easy. The kicker will be in 2019 uh, when Matthews and Marner's new deals will kick in, and also I think that's where Patrick Marlowe's third and final year could be a little bit cumbersome and problematic. <clears throat> We've been talking to Gord Stellick. Uh, Gord, we're going to have to let you go. We're going to thank you. But uh, I just want to finish it on this note. I didn't realize it, but uh, you, you actually brought Lou Franceschetti to Toronto, didn't you? Uh, if I made more deals like Lou, I'd still be there. It was, uh, <laughs> it was actually for a, a fifth-round pick, and Lou got over 20 goals. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so I always liked the way Lou played both in the American Hockey League and the NHL. And, and, and Lou went through an interesting time, like typical Toronto experience that a Incredible high initially, and then when things go south, they go south. But I know he was a very proud Toronto Maple Leaf, and see him in the uh, you know around alumni events. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm always big on Lou, and like I said, that's one of my best moves. I, actually, I'll go ahead, Lou. I'll let you. Gord, I got to thank you for the rest of my life for putting my name on the map. Because if I hadn't come to Toronto, I never would have a hockey card. So figure that one out. Eleven years with the Washington Capitals, I've never had a hockey card until I come here to Toronto, I, 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 and now everybody knows. I, I'm going to I'm going to pre- I'm going to preface my 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 remarks by saying, Lou, you know how much I love you, and you know I've always said I respected the career you had in the NHL. But Gord, I'm going to say, what were you thinking? Anyways, hey, just guess how many Italians are in the hockey in the, are playing now. Out of Toronto, oh, I know. Anyways, I know. Uh, Gord, unfortunately, Gord, we've got we, 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 Gord. We won't make you pronounce his last name either today. Okay? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. No, and, I, and I was chatting with Sergio Messo last night. So all kinds. He was talking about Freddie Cavallini's house when he was in Forest Hill when he played uh, back then. So anyway, uh, thanks. Uh, I appreciate being on the show. No, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Appreciate jo- you, you joining us. Have a nice day. Uh, of course, with Gord Stellick. Uh, a little bit of fun, Lou. You know, I, I give you shots every now and then. You know, but June, I, June 28th, I think, was the I, day. I, I get a call I, from him. You've just been traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Welcome aboard. Fifth round draft pick. Fifth, which and was then, Mark Quimet from the University then, of Michigan, who played didn't play one game in the National Hockey League. The Leafs got the best of that trade. And you know what, and, you want to know, know something else? Then, Do we have time? Yeah. I was actually, I don't know if I can say this or not, but I was Careful. actually contacted by... <laughs> 
by Tony Esposito on July 1st because I hadn't officially signed the contract. He wanted me to come to Pittsburgh, which would have cost you Pittsburgh. Would have, you would have won a Stanley Cup? Which would have cost Pittsburgh a third-round oh. pick to Toronto if I had gone and played with Mario and uh, and the crew there. Mind wow. you, they, hadn't, they, they didn't have Yager yet. So if I would have done well for them, they might have. They might have not have drafted. You could have hung on in a couple of years, and you could have had a you could have had a ring. Anyways, uh, we've got to go and uh, not go go to break, uh, and then we'll be right back after the break with the voice of the Nashville Predators, Pete Weber. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three topping party pizza with twenty four slices for just twenty four dollars. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams. Or special ops units. Go, 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 go. Everybody down. So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour the voice of the Nashville Predators, Pete Weber. Good morning, Pete. How are you this morning? I'm doing excellent, guys. It's always nice to be able to watch a show online before you jump on. Oh, I'm I'm happy that uh, that you managed to watch us. Thanks so much, Pete. Uh, listen, uh, there's going to be an invasion uh, in Nashville this uh, this Thursday night. Apparently, a lot yes. of people are coming down from Toronto. Toronto fans uh, love to travel, and it's going to be uh, obviously the Nashville Predators are the top team in the NHL right now, and look, they're peaking. Uh, and they look like they're on the road to the President's Trophy, but uh, we're justifiably proud of the accomplishments of our hockey team Nick, uh, this year. But should be a great night in Nashville this Thursday night. Well, it should be, and everybody should be proud of their respective teams here. And i got to tell you, uh, when there's an invasion involved, 
Usually there's someone like the name of Joe Bowen and uh, Jimmy Ralph at the forefront of said invasion. That's certainly, yeah, that's uh, for sure. yeah, the voice of the trauma. Joe's a good friend of our show as well, and so we're looking, really looking forward to that. But tell us, bring us up to speed on the Nashville Predators. Uh, they're they uh, they're peaking. I think they've won thirteen of their last fourteen. They've got uh, a line that's been named the Jofa line, uh, Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson. And uh, they've got a top two defense pair that as good as anybody in the league with Ellis and uh, Yossi and Subban and Ekholm. And they've got one of the league's top goalies in Pecorini. Uh, tell, us, tell us why the Nashville Predators are uh, peaking right now and uh, what, what you see as their prospects in the playoffs. I think every coach would like to know why teams peak at certain times. Uh, and if they get that information, uh, I don't even know if Scotty Bowman knows why that happened with the various clubs that he had. Uh, very difficult to judge, but the fact of the matter is uh, this team has improved from the team that was last a year ago and it was the Stanley Cup final and uh, lost teams to do very strong. They learned so much from that experience, and their depth was built up because of the way they responded to the injuries that hit them. Uh, here you, you lose Kevin Fiala with a broken femur in the second round against St. Louis. Then in the uh, conference final against the Anaheim Ducks, all of a sudden Ryan Johansson is not there anymore. So the Preds ended up with, what, 19 different players who scored in the playoffs last year. And guys that stepped forward like Colton Sissons with a hat trick in the conference final clincher. Uh, so they all seem to believe in each other, and I think that might be the most important thing, along with, as Lou Wells well knows, the talent. Pete, David Poirot's got a way of tinkering this uh, this <laughs> hockey club. He's done it so, for so many years when I was in Washington. Yep. He brings in Mike Fisher, that he was retired all year, and then makes a smart deal for Mike Hartman. A little bit of grit that they didn't have last year, especially with uh, with Johansson out. How does he do it? And I also, how much unappreciated is Mr. Paul Fenton in this organization with all the draft picks that he's brought in? And with drafting the, the, the finish flash there, the second coming of the finish flash, with a late pick in the first round this year. Yeah, and uh, who knows when he's coming. Whenever uh, his, his uh, club in the KHL is out of the playoffs, uh, he likely is going to be joining the Predators. And if they go as deep as they can, I believe their final game would be around April 25th. So he would still be a chance to come over and help out. Now, Lou, you know well, having been around David, that uh, in the in the invention of the cell phone was critical to his <laughs> to his success. He hates to sit around the office all day and wait for phone calls. Uh, he has to keep a, an extra charger with him at all times. He's always canvassing to see what might be out there what he can do to help the team. And as you say, with Paul Fenton, they work hand in glove, you know, much better than O.J. Simpson's glove worked uh, some 20 years ago. And uh, that's what's been uh, incredible to watch those two work together and then, you know, unleash the surprise on us at the end of January. Mike Fisher is coming back. But I think a key to Mike Fisher coming back, how much success he had in the old-timers game uh, in Ottawa when he went against the old-timers of the Montreal Canadiens. Kyle Turris must be happy with him. Very. And I've got to tell you, who's really happy with him is going to be Kevin Fiala. Uh, Kyle Turris comes over in November in that three-way trade with Ottawa and Colorado. 
And before that point in time, Kevin Fiala didn't have a goal. Now he has 20-plus playing on the same line with him. And I think that has uh, been a tremendous revelation for both the club and Kevin, who now has, you know, for the first time in his career, a regular job in the NHL, know who is going to be his line mates every night. And uh, the kid just goes to the net. We're talking to Pete Weber, the voice of the Nashville Predators. Pete, uh, playoffs are coming up. We don't know yet who, uh, who the Predators are going to meet, but somewhere along the line in those playdowns, they may meet the phenomenon known as the Las Vegas Knights. Yeah. Uh, please, please uh, explain to me uh, the Las Vegas Knights, and I don't get it. I've asked a couple of hockey insiders the last couple of weeks um, if Nashville meets the Vegas Knights uh, tell me explain that. Explain the the Knights to me and how far you think the Knights might go in the playoffs. Well they are uh, they are easy to figure in one sense. When the Predators and the Wild and the Blue Jackets and the late lamented Atlanta Thrashers now Winnipeg Jets came in that expansion from uh, 98 through uh, 2000 involved generally picking the 16th, 17th, 18th best player on each team. Predators and those teams only only paid $80 million for their admission fee. Las Vegas paid a half billion. So they, uh, they bargained correctly, and they got to pick guys off third lines essentially around the league and then augment them with free agent signings. Uh, but they, the couple of things they have done, uh, they have played an in-your-face style all year long. They consistently pressure you. Uh, they've got the. I think it's probably easy for the broadcasters anyway this year, the HL Broadcasters Association, to elect the Jack Adams Award as the coach of the year. It's got to be Gerard Gallant. And likely, in tandem with that, the general manager award, I think, is going to go to George McPhee. They have put together a magnificent organization. They have played the game the right way. Now And they picked up people, <clears throat> and they were able to make deals. For example, they take James Neal off the Predators roster because the Predators wanted to protect. You mentioned those top 4D. Well, they didn't want to lose any of them, and the way the protection schemes were, you would either lose seven, three, and go 7-3-1 and one, or eight skaters and a goaltender, and the Predators chose to, chose to go with the 8-1 uh, and one to protect those demons. As a result, they had to make Oh, we lost we lost the connection. Uh, we've got a few minutes. Uh, Pete, I don't know if you can hear us, but we just lost your connection. I think I'm going to see if we can get our producers back on. But we're pretty well near the uh, pretty well near. Now we've lost uh, Pete Weber. Uh, only got about five minutes. Try to left get a hold of him. Uh, I've got one more question for him, Sebastian. If you can get a hold of Pete Sebastian. Weber, but uh, Nashville, number one overall, and uh, um, they've got to be thrilled about. Uh, about hockey down there right now. You know, it, it's you know you look at the playoff setups right now, and it's a crying shame that certain teams have to go through they ha- what they have to like. You, you're gonna you could see a Stanley Cup final between Nashville and Winnipeg, and that's gonna be a second round matchup right now uh, coming out of that, that division. Would be, can you imagine that series? Uh, it, it, it's just gonna be two, two, that would be back and forth, back and forth the yeah. entire game. Uh, Pete, do we have you back on the line? I am back on the line, and I'm going to walk over by the window okay. here, look out of the lake, and make sure I have as good a connection as I possibly can. We, we, we only have we only have a couple of minutes, Pete, uh, left. But we we uh, we want to ask you. Uh, uh, I have another question I want to ask you. Obviously, Nashville is number one overall in the NHL 
And it looks like uh, the way they're playing, that that's probably going to be the final result. The President's Cup, hockey in Nashville. How uh, how excited are the Nashville fans about what's going on? Extremely excited. They, I mean, last year, I just thought, when it got to the Stanley Cup final, they turned downtown area into Woodstock for hockey. And I'm not talking Woodstock, Ontario. I'm talking Maxie Asger's old farm, the year I graduated <laughs> high school. Uh, this... <laughs> They are exuberant. I don't think tells the whole story, and uh, you know you can't. I can't walk into a hardware store and look for a toilet seat without someone wanting to talk about hockey. That's just the way it's permeated the whole culture there. Yeah, there's a lot of sweaters. I was down there last week, and I'm going to be down there again this week. So I'll be at the game on Thursday night. Uh, Pete. Well, great. Make sure make sure that uh, you are properly aware of all of the. Uh, Watering stations we have up and down Broadway. <laughs> oh, I'm aware of them. Don't, aware. don't worry, Naz will figure it. Naz has a way of figuring that out pretty quick. <laughs> you were uh, once with the Buffalo Bills. You still follow them? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm oh. part of the Nashville Bills backers. Uh, there are about 120 of us go to McNamara's Irish Pub on Sundays to take in the games. What do you think of their uh, latest moves, Pete? I like what they're doing to this point, uh, but I was if you had talked to me, say, uh, four or five days before, I'd still be a little bit miffed at the Tyrod Taylor move, but I understand what they're attempting to do there, though I think Tyrod Taylor saved his franchise the last couple of years. Uh, Pete, go ahead. I, just, uh, I know we've we got to go here. Uh, just uh, say hello to, uh, to David and, and Paul for me. And uh, you got to find out if I can get some tickets to the alumni box to come down to what. Uh, <laughs> Always looking for a freebie, Lou. No, I'm not looking at a freebie. I'll, 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 I'll pay for the tickets. I just want to know if they if they have access to tickets to to the finals because I know what kind of zoo it was there last year. Yeah, you deserve it, Pete. There's going to be a lot of zoo blue and white. something else. Yes, thank you, guys. Uh, Pete, there's going to be a lot of blue and white there for sure. They, you can't even get a flight out to Nashville this week. They're all sold out. It's really? Incredible. Yeah. Okay, fly to Cincinnati and drive four hours. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we've been talking to Pete Weber, the voice of the Nashville Predators. Pete, always a pleasure. Always our sincere thanks, and we'd really love to see a Nashville-Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup final. We'd really love to Boy, see that. Boy, would I ever. That would be great. That would be awesome. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully we'll, uh, that'll come to pass, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Pete Weber, Nashville, Toronto. Can you imagine Nashville, Toronto? What a series that would be. Yeah, that that uh, certainly uh, Nashville is a happening city now. It's uh, it's on a, a lot of people's radar screens for uh, for travel, and it's got a vibrant uh, downtown. And uh, yeah, that would be one hell of a Stanley Cup final, Toronto, Nashville. Lou, uh, we've got one minute left, and I know you uh, you've got a special announcement you want to make, so I'll I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I'd like to, to tell everybody that's listening uh, today, uh, there's a great event coming up next Saturday at noon at the Rico uh, Arena downtown. Uh, the Canadian Women's Hockey League final will be played. There's a team from Markham, the Markham Thunder, will be representing the uh, Metropolitan Toronto area, and they'll be playing either against the Calgary Dinos or the Coonlin Red Stars. So uh, if you can get down there, you're going to watch a good brand of uh, women's hockey. You're going to see a lot of uh, ladies or women that have actually played in the uh, in the past Olympics. So uh, I, I recommend that everybody, if you get a chance, to go down to Rico and, and watch these gals play. Naz, last word. I know you've got something special a, to say as well. Uh, open house for Rock Steady Boxing, which is involved with Parkinson's disease, and uh, I'd like to have 
anyone come out and please, uh, anyone who has been diagnosed with Parkinson's or knows a loved one that has been diagnosed, take this in, please. Open House, Budo, Canada, 38C Apex Road near Lawrence and Dufferin, 8 till noon. Thank you. I know how important that is to you, Naz. Thank you. Lou? Thanks for joining us this morning. It's, it's good to see pleasure, you again. Guys. Good to see everything. Uh, everything's well with you. To all our loyal listeners, have a fantastic, safe, and healthy week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.